Good morning. It is a joy to be with you. You sound really good singing. And just You should all sit up front so you can hear it. Um, I'm presuming it sounds a little different in the back, but it sounded really good. And I love to hear the blended voices like that. Thank you. I have, a, I have two announcements. I decided not to get up during announcement time, so if you can handle one more announcement and then one uh, kind of a word of encouragement. Um, Zalakin Institute is starting its fall classes that st- they start uh, on Tuesday evening. And if you're interested, particularly there is a marketing and communication class that we scaled back um, a great deal and pushed a lot of things into 2023. They bought a property locally, and they needed some time and staff around that. But if you're interested in a marketing and communication class, um, please see Narita or I afterwards. There is also a German class. Uh, The choir is too late to get in. And... um, and a class for teachers as well this fall. So if you're interested in an eight-week class Tuesday evenings, you should think about it because uh, Phil Thiessen is teaching the marketing. He is a uh, Kimes marketing person. It would be very interesting. The second thing is, while we may not have made money, we built a lot of capital this week. Think about it like that. We often say, well, money isn't everything, so we had, the, we, had the, we had the opportunity to serve the local community in a beautiful way. And I, I was struck by something, and maybe only a few of us know this, but most of the ministry of the local Amish church for this area, at least the bishop and deacon, were here for most of the evening. And uh, one of the other pastor's wife was here and got food. And so whether that builds, what we do builds capital. It's not about the money, as we say that, so I'm going to hold us to it. It's not about the money. It's about building capital into the community, and we gave back to our community in a way that was God-honoring, and at the end of the evening, I, from Amish to English, I heard people say, that was such a good night, so thank you. Please turn in your copies of the scriptures to 1 Corinthians 12. I took the opportunity, you know, we spent some time in 1 Corinthians 11. I took the opportunity to just go right into 12 and uh, think about something. I think this pertains to, well, it does pertain to the ordination coming up. At a time like this, we often wrestle with gifting or calling. Uh, Let me just say one thing about qualifications. If there's an overwhelming qualification that a pastor should have, that is a willingness to learn. A pastor who is unwilling to learn and grow and become more knowledgeable in the scriptures and how he presents the scriptures and those kinds of things is not fit to serve according to the scriptures. So we have to keep growing. Um, the apt to teach portion means that we're, also means that we're willing to learn. So think about uh, the, your selection process as somebody who is willing to keep to grow and keep growing, to learn and keep learning, because that is the most important thing. Uh, it, it, uh, now this is bigger than pastors, but it does not matter where you're at in life. It matters whether you, you're willing to grow, because God takes us where we are in life and calls us to grow in Him. Is that a biblical statement? God takes us where we're at in life, and then helps us grow in Him. 
And so it, it matters. It doesn't matter where you're at. It matters if you're willing. And that is, in essence, what we're going to talk about this morning. 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 11. We've had two sermons from that. And then we, uh, we had first, uh, the last half of the chapter is about the Lord's Supper. Now again, this is a church that is full of people from many different stations in life. There are slaves and there are wealthy people. There are poor people and rich people. There are Jews and Greeks. There's Amish and English or whatever. It's full of a diverse group of people and they're struggling with the differences. And in 1 Corinthians 11, the first part is when you gather to pray and, and worship together publicly, this is how you should act. When you observe the Lord's Supper, this is how you should act. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, it says this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of Jesus ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is the Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Stop there. I want you to notice several things. He says, before you were believers, you were led astray. Some of you were led astray to mute idols. Mute. What does mute mean? Can't talk. And then he goes, um, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. So we don't serve a mute God. He's, he's contrasting the fact that believers don't uh, serve a mute God. They serve a God who speaks into our lives. Now there are a variety of gifts, he says, verse 4, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities. Sorry, that's plural. All of those. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for, for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. That's a powerful portion of uh, uh, passage of Scripture to a group of people who are quarreling about their differences. He's saying, you know what? Your differences, the, the way you're created differently, is beautiful. It is actually what makes a body. I do not see anyone here who is all hands. Or anyone who is all head. Sever the head from the body and see how long either one of them survive. It doesn't. Sever a hand from the body 
And how long will the hand survive? It doesn't. That's what he's saying. He's saying the body of Jesus is made up of people with different gifts. And we'll look at what a gift is. Now there are three passages in the New Testament that deal with gifts, spiritual gifts. And I, Now, yeah, let's just... There, there is so much confusion about this. There, there are many tests out in today's world. Some of them are personality tests. Some of them are strength finders. And I like those. I like doing them. I find something out about myself every time I do those things. But the spiritual gifts are unique. In the New Testament, it is quite clear that, that gifts, as he lists them, are only given to believers. Now, they may be there kind of innately in a person, but the full manifestation of the spiritual gift that you have, that I have, are only realized when we make the decision to go into alliance with, with the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then the gifts become alive in us in a way that is supposed to enrich the body. Notice what he says at the very tail end of what I read here. For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. So we're one body. Now turn in your Bibles, your copies of the Scripture, to Romans 12. And I want you to, if you can, follow along in, in, in the Scriptures, because it, it helps us understand it a little better. Romans 12, here it says, and I'm going to cut in at verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so though we, so though many, sorry, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes or gives in generosity, the one who administers with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now did you notice any similarities in the two passages? One body. Though we many are one body. And notice it says... Uh, in verse 4, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. That word function means modes of acting. So not all of us act the same way in giving our service to Jesus. And, and in Ephesians, there's a, a, a companion passage. I'm not going to ask you to turn to that, but at the end of that passage... Um, Guess what he says? This is what he says. To equip the saints, when he gives the list of gifts, he says in verse 12 of Ephesians 4, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature adulthood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so we are no longer children. So we grow up. Now, each one of those passages is very clear to point out that a body is made up of many parts. And when we think about providence, it's easy for us to look around and gauge ourselves with our fellow church members, our fellow 
people that we sit beside. I look at people, and, and uh, I'm, I'm actually not going to give you a test today to see which spiritual gift you have. Uh, I, I don't know of a good test except for you to read Scripture and pray and ask God, how can I give back? See, the spiritual gift is not something we, we hang out over people's head and we say, well, this is my gift. I'm not called to do that. Or we say things like, uh, well, I, this is a, a very famous one. Uh, we say there is a list of gifts and, and uh, you know, there's all these gifts and then there is serving, which kind of puts that on the predominant position. Because every church needs a lot of people who serve. You know what? They're all equal. I happen to kind of think I know which one belongs to me. I think I have, in, in this list at least, the gift of exhortation. And, but and notice what he says. He, when you do that, uh, in Romans 12 he says, if, if you have the gift of exhortations, uh, do it in his exhortation, in Jesus' exhortation. So give, it, give Jesus in that exhortation. And, and I also, so, so what I, a gift is, a, is a, a free thing, an endowment. Do you know what an endowment is? Endowment is a gift, like that sits there and grows. And your gift is meant to grow. And the beautiful part, this is, and this is where I just, I simply want to go, what is the purpose of God giving us different gifts? What is the purpose of that? It's to make us uh, more complete. And so when people come into our circles, and, and God calls people to our circles, I argue and I suggest, and I think the Bible, well, the Bible says that, that we need those people and the gifts that they bring to make us a more complete body. It doesn't matter whether we're 10 people or 300 people. When God brings people into our circles, it makes us more complete. Because each one of us brings a unique piece to the, to the body. And, and so, I also want you, to, I want you now to go back to the 1 Corinthians passage. And I want to just dig in a little more deeply. I want you to notice a couple things about this passage. First of all, in, the, in verse um, 4... Verse 4 through verse 6. I'm going to read those again. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activity, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Did you notice something about that passage that I just read? Did you notice something unique about that passage? Spirit, Son, and Father. The Trinity is right there in the passage. And I, I was just really struck by that as I was thinking through that. And I, I was struck by the fact that, that the Spirit is the one who gives the gifts. Jesus is our example of serving. There are, variety, there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, which means operations, but the same God empowers them all. And when I, when I read that, I, I was suddenly struck by the idea that the body, the Godhead, dwells in us, right here. And when we, when we serve, when we give, when we act, uh, when we serve, when we operate, and when we operate out of our gifting, we represent the Godhead more fully to the world around us. Now, Another thing I noticed in this passage, 
is the word varieties. So um, what do we do with these varieties? By the way, that word means diversities. What do we do with them? It, the world would be much easier if all the world was like me. Uh, no, wait. So let's just use me. I, let's just use myself as an example. Uh, let's say I have the gift of exhortation. What would happen in our world if we all had the gift of exhortation in this room? Well, the whole world would hear a lot of things. But what would be missing? What would be missing? I'm, I'm not offended if you say it. Well, um, I don't see the needs of people as clearly always. And sometimes I miss the opportunity to serve people. And, and by the way, this doesn't mean I shouldn't serve. This doesn't mean that. It means that when I serve, I do it because it gives me the opportunity to exhort those people. Is that selfish? No. It's the way God gifted me. And, and there's something beautiful as we act out of our gifting, we do all the service of the kingdom. There is something beautiful about people with the gift of prophecy, the gift of exhortation, and the gift of uh, administration, the gift of teaching, to kneel down in front of other people and wash their feet. To take cups of water to people sitting at the table out here. To go wipe the tables out here. To, 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 to sing in front of the group. And so when we think about our gifts, the, the gifts that God has given us, and, and we could go through the look and look at the different words, and I'm, not, I'm simply not going to do that. What I, but what I want us to do is, is bring us back to the idea that there is something bigger here for us to learn, and that bigger thing is unity. And, and the ability to look at each other and say, they don't have to be like me in order for me to really like them. And for me to bless them and give to them. So sometimes, uh, people with, let's say, the gift of giving wonder why other people don't give. Or, or sometimes people with the gift of administration or leading sometimes look at other people and say, why can't they get their ducks in a row? Sometimes people with the gift of exhortation look at other people and say, why don't they just get up and say something? And sometimes people with the gift of prophecy say, why can't those people see? Sometimes people with the gift of service say, am I the only one doing anything around here? Sometimes people with the gift of teaching say, why can't we just have a really good teaching program where we teach our people about these things and then they'll all behave? Or whatever. Did I cover all of them? Oh, mercy. Sometimes people with the gift of mercy look around and say, why can't people just be more merciful to each other? Don't they see that? And in that time, when you feel that urge, say, God, thank you for giving me the gift that I can see it. And then let me live in a way that honors that gifting as I give to that. And let me also honor my brothers and sisters who aren't the same as me. So Paul has this church in, in Corinth that is uh, saying, boy, we, we have a, we're really diverse. And, and they're good moments. In their bad moments, they say... Uh, 
how will we ever get along? You know, in the process of, of wrestling with 1 Corinthians 11 and the veiling in our church, I'm sure you've been tempted a, a time or two to think, well, whatever your particular view is, to say, well, why can't they see that? You know what? Maybe it's you who needs to see and hear from other people to see and hear a different perspective. Doesn't mean we don't wrestle with it, bring it together, and, do, and move forward, and we return to Scripture with those kinds of things. But we need to hear each other, because in hearing each other, what we understand is that the kingdom of God is bigger than myself. And that is liberating to say the kingdom of God is bigger than me. And I need my brothers and sisters to be more complete in giving the kingdom of God to this people. Recently, uh, we were planning for an event at, the, um, at work, and we were talking about who does what at this event. And one of them, uh, one of my people said, well, I'd be more than delighted to set up the chairs. And I, we kind of went and talked about the event, and uh, and I didn't know if I should say it. And I, I said, finally, I said, uh, I'd be more than delighted to have the opening and, and you know, welcome people and talk to people. And, and they said, thank you. Uh, we knew that's what you're good at. So it doesn't mean I don't help set up chairs. But it means that when we do those kinds of things, we make a complete picture of Jesus. The purpose of gifts is to make us a more unified body, a more whole body. And the emphasis in, these, in, in all three of these passages is not on us identifying our gifts perfectly, but rather on faithfully using the unique enablement, the unique gift that God has given you for the kingdom. I'd like to end with reading... From 1 Corinthians 12. And I want to say one thing. As we think about our ordination, um, a gift is not a calling. A calling is uniquely different than a gift. A gift is something that God gives every believer. Now, all of you have a calling as well within the kingdom. But God is going to call one person into this uh, position, uh, Lord willing, in a few weeks. That doesn't mean that who you are and what you bring is less than that person. It means that together we make a more complete picture of the kingdom and we're choosing to recognize the calling of, of one person or one person, yeah, one person in, in this time. But I want us to take us back uh, to verse 27. Paul does this repeatedly. He says, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But I earnestly desire the higher, sorry, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and in angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clang, clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, 
I am nothing. If I give all I have, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. He just went through the gifts and said, you can have these gifts, and you can act out of your gifts, but if you don't do it in love, it's meaningless. Do you know what will conquer our world? The force that will overcome any evil in this world is love. It is the most powerful thing in the world. So regardless of what gift you have, God loves you. And he's given you a piece of himself, a gift, to give back to our world. And when we do that in love, when we give back with our gifting to our world in love, it represents Jesus more completely. When you have a group of people who do that together, it represents Jesus more completely. I had no clue when I was preparing this. I didn't put it together with our uh, Friday evening thing out here. But all of us acted together, those of us who could, acted together within our gifting and our calling, and we gave back to our community. And when the community left, we can leave satisfied knowing that we gave the love of God through our gifting to the people around us. Let's pray together.